Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, Sovereign Soul Tribe. I hope that you're all doing well and enjoying the month of November so far. I was absent last week because I had noticed there were a few repetitive themes coming up for me. And whenever that happens in my life, I tend to implement an intentional pause and draw my energy inwards just so I can reflect on what's taking place, integrate it and learn and evolve from it. So I've been doing this lifelong and it really helps me to engage in life better because I find that we're constantly being guided in various directions. And once we become aware of some of those repetitive themes and synchronicities, it really, really helps us to take a more empowered stance on the direction of our lives. So without any further ado, let's jump right into this week's episode, which is all about the inner child. So what we're going to do in today's episode is take a detailed look at the concept of our inner child by taking a look at the origin of the term, the definition, the development, and as always, the psychological, physiological, and spiritual importance of the so-called inner child. Now, in terms of origin, psychiatrist Dr. Carl Jung coined the term divine child archetype as one of his archetypes, which represented themes from the collective unconscious that all held universal meaning. And since his time, many psychologists, healers, and spiritual leaders have built on this idea of the inner child. So let's take a closer look at what this concept entails. You can refer to your inner child as a psychological reality stemming from your stored emotional experiences in childhood. So in simple terms, your inner child is the part of you that stores your childhood experiences, but specifically the ones that had the biggest impact on you. So tying this back to episode one, when you are born into this life, all five aspects of self, including soma, psyche, heart, soul, and spirit are fully present. But each of these aspects is in its most primitive developmental stage. So you are experiencing everything in life from a brand new perspective. You haven't formed any opinions, judgments, or beliefs, or being subjected to any social conditioning. So everything you experience in life will be filtered through the lens of your unique blueprint. So your inner child represents the definition and meaning that you give to your life experiences at a very young age, which begins to dictate who you are as an adult and why you behave the way that you do. So really in essence, we all begin life as this precious blank canvas and the environment of our childhood our experiences, along with our perception of those experiences, begins to paint in the details of our canvas. And the picture that is created tells a story of our deeply rooted patterns of behavior, thinking, and beliefs about ourselves and the world, and more importantly, our response to those various experiences that we went through. So let's talk a little bit about brain development in early life to explore the significance of today's topic. During early childhood, which would be preschool age, the neuronal connections in the brain are forming very rapidly. 
and the brain strengthens the connections it uses most frequently and eliminates those that are not being used. So the key here is this is where the foundation for lifelong brain function, memory, and adaptability is established and grows. In childhood, which is between 5 to 11 years of age, we see growth of the temporal lobes resulting in an increased ability to understand, process, and respond to social situations. In adolescence, there's the growth of the neural connections in the frontal lobes resulting in the ability to reason through abstract concepts along with a heightened sense of emotions. And in young adulthood, the frontal lobe development is resulting in goal-directed behavior, impulse control, planning abilities, and integration of information. And the reason why I'm highlighting this is because further research now shows that the development and maturation of the prefrontal cortex occurs primarily during the adolescence and is fully accomplished at age 25. So this shows the, that the critical parts of the brain involved in decision making are not fully developed until 25 years of age. So the development of the prefrontal cortex is very important for complex behavioral performance because this is the region of the brain that helps accomplish executive brain functions. And I'm going to tie it into today's topic. So just hang on tight until we go through one little bit more of um, the nervous system. So really quickly to tie this into the importance of childhood programming, the sympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system, which is responsible for the stress and emergency response of the body is often known as the fight or flight response. But there is also a freeze and a less commonly known fawn response to this branch of the nervous system. So the fight or flight response to stress everyone is familiar with. So let's focus on the other two really briefly, which is the freeze response. And as the name implies, it is it signifies becoming incapable of moving or making a decision. And the fawn response is where your your trigger is to try to please the other person to avoid conflict. Now in children, the freeze and fawn responses are predominant because their prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed. So our perception of childhood events is a primitive brain, egocentric point of view. So this means that our perception of childhood experiences is mainly about ourself and survival. And our main environment in childhood is our parents and caregivers. And what we are internalizing is their behavior towards us through this egocentric point of view. And what makes things really, really messy is that most parents don't always see their children as children and are parenting them from their own wounded inner child. So it becomes a recipe for disaster. And this is how we inherit trauma and behavior. Now to highlight the importance of our interactions with our parents and caregivers, I want to talk about something known as the serve and return interaction. So this is when an infant or a child gestures, cries, or babbles. And if the parent responds with eye contact, words, or a hug, this results in the building and strengthening of the neural connections in the child's brain that support development of communication and social skills. Now, if these responses from the parent are absent, unreliable, or inappropriate, 
the brain's architecture does not form as expected, which can lead to disparities in learning and behavior. So you can see the significant role a parent plays in a child's life starting at infancy. So because of the child's egocentric point of view, if a child receives unsafe messages through a parent's behavior, this translates into a lack of safety for the child and plays a direct role in their brain's development. So let's do an overview of what traumatic behavior from parents or caregivers can look like and the manifestation of the wounded inner child as a result of these behavioral patterns. And then we will take a look at more specific examples. So traumatic behavior from a parent or a caregiver can show up as shaming a child, which often involves criticism, belittling, teasing, not allowing a child to express their opinions, or even punishing them for speaking up. It can show up as guilt, which often involves blaming the child for poor behavior or even the conditions of the home. It can also involve neglect, which can be physical, emotional, or psychological. It can also look like abandonment, which is the physical absence of a parent figure. And then within that same realm, it can also involve rejection. And the difference between the two is that in rejection, the child feels pushed away or unwanted. So it can be talking about the burden of having the child in their lives or how they were unwanted during pregnancy and things of that nature. Um, traumatic behavior from a parent can also involve betrayal, which can look like broken promises, which then manifests as a lack of trust in the child. It can be invalidating the child's feelings or the child could observe um, an invalidation between the parents towards one another invalidating each other's feelings or not allowing the child to display strong emotions. It can also involve manipulation, which is a form of brainwashing. So one parent could be speaking poorly of the other parent or tricking and pressuring the child into doing certain things, making them feel that they can't do anything right or twisting the truth in reality. Other behavioral Traits that are traumatic to children include conditional love, which is um, often involves a lack of affection or love based on behavior and expectations from the child. And emotional reliance is another one that I feel often gets missed. And this is where parents use their children to dump their problems onto. So they, it's almost like the child becomes the therapist or the counsel, counselor within the parent-child dynamic. It can involve high levels of responsibilities where the parent put on the child by the parent or other family members, and then obviously any form of physical, emotional, um, or verbal abuse. Now, any of these behavior, the presence of any of these traumatic behavioral responses from a parent manifest as what we'll call the wounded inner child. So in adult age, this shows up as low self-esteem, being critical of others, being um, a perfectionist in terms of personality and behavior, exhibiting people-pleasing behavior and inability to express your emotions or being almost passive-aggressive or withdrawn when it comes to emotional situations, um, having the strong need for what I refer to as toxic independence, which really shows up as a false idea of what strength should look like, 
being very distrusting um, of others or controlling in relationships, having poor emotional regulation, overthinking, having abandonment anxiety, or even generalized anxiety disorder and depression, um, low motivation and fears of failure, and then the various disorders, including um, eating disorders, self-harm, violent behavior, sexual dysfunction, and substance abuse. So psychologists believe that by the age of seven, most of our patterns of behavior, beliefs, and habits are formed. And as I mentioned, the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed up until 25 years of age. So our cognitive, emotional, intellectual, social capabilities are formed before our logic, rational, and higher thinking even kicks in. So through our experiences and childhood patterns of love and safety, our mind behavior and personality develops and we accidentally accept our wounds as who we were always meant to be. So in our adult life, various experiences can trigger our wounded inner child and our response to these triggers can be called our so-called protector. So the protector is the figure our ego creates to protect our inner child, which is helpful as a survival mechanism, but can really get in the way of living a fulfilling life. And a trigger, just as an overview, has, if I'm sure you guys can recollect many, many things that have triggered you in your life, and it always has an emotional charge because our bodies store memory. We've stored these experiences within our physical body, and our reaction will always be one of the four um, sympathetic responses. So we will always respond, respond from a fight flight, freeze, or fawn response because something is presenting as a stressor and our sympathetic nervous system kicks in and we have one of four responses. So now let's talk about some wounded patterns and what their protectors might look like in terms of specific examples. So an inner child wound of having to be perfect to survive will show up as an adaptive behavior of perfectionism in adulthood. And throughout the course of your life, if you ever feel that this part of you is triggered, you will go immediately into survival. So your protector will step up and it can look very, very different. So again, depending on which of the sympathetic nervous system responses kicks in, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, in real life, what that can look like is avoiding communication, shutting down, dissociating, walking away from conversations, feeling anxious or panicked, becoming angry or aggressive, or an inability to speak up for yourself and finding that you're having to conform to avoid escalation. Now, the important point here is that none of these responses are healthy because if we become rigid and set in one or more of these responses, you end up living a life where you show no mercy to anyone. You cut everyone out of your life who steps out of line. You are very aggressively reactive to your environment or on the opposite side of the spectrum, you allow others to take advantage of you and walk all over you. And most of these behavioral patterns show a high level of emotional immaturity. So in other words, they are childlike behavior. Now with that in mind, let's cover a few more examples just so we can broaden the spectrum in terms of how these situations can manifest themselves. So if you felt as a child that you were not being heard, In adult life, one of your triggers may be in any dynamic if you ever feel that someone's not listening to you or if you're being ignored. So when that trigger comes up for you, your protector will step up 
and it will look like whichever one of the four sympathetic nervous responses you're most inclined towards. So it can step up as a fighter, a fleer, a freeze situation, or a fawn. So you can really start to fill in the blank for yourself as to how these situations manifest in your life. If you had a very critical parents growing up, this can cause you to be hypercritical of yourself with a strong fear of judgment or confrontation and an overall lack of confidence. So your adaptive behavior is perhaps judging others, avoiding making big decisions in life. And if you ever feel like someone is judging you, you will immediately go into your protector role of either arguing, fighting, or completely cutting that individual out of your life. And again, it could also show up as trying to please the other person as well. So many, many different ways that these can, these behavioral patterns can show up. If in childhood you felt as though your emotions were invalidated, neglected, or even punished, you will have an inability to understand and express your emotions freely in your adult life. You will have very weak boundaries and an inability to even set healthy boundaries. You might exhibit self-sabotaging behavior, and you may feel as though no one really cares, which results in an inability to form deep and deeply emotional um, connections and intimacy. And you may also have difficulty accepting love from others because you feel as though in childhood you had to earn that love, which can make things very challenging when it comes to connecting with others in relationships. Now, children that were exposed to high levels of responsibility often present as adults that are very much trapped in patterns of overthinking, ruminating, self-doubt, and this need to take care of others at the expense of their own health. So an example of how a parent or caregiver could potentially be parenting from their own wounded inner child often shows up as a, an inability to have adequate emotional regulation within the parent. So oftentimes the parent will end up reacting to their child's emotional responses. So if a child is having, um, expressing a big emotional response to something that they feel is a threat to their safety and survival, the parent will instead be reacting to that and internalizing it as they're stepping out of line, they're misbehaving, or they're talking back. So the child will then be punished for that emotional response, and that can manifest later on in the child's adult life as a difficult time in engaging in conversation, expressing their emotions in any way, shape, or form because of that level of punishing that took place whenever they felt like they were um, stepping out of line. So just a few more examples of how these behavioral patterns can show up is if a child grows up in an environment where one or more of the parents are experiencing depression, this can manifest itself as the child feeling a very strong need to make everyone around them happy. And that definitely will carry through in their adult life as well. If the child is exposed to a parenting style where there is no display of affection or love through physical touch that can show up as a difficult time with physical intimacy in adult life or on the opposite side of the spectrum. Those children as adults may find that they're involved in very damaging sexual behavior as a form of validation. And the final example that I want to cover with you guys today is one that's often missed and not heavily discussed and these are the environments where children are exposed to parents that use them as a source of emotional outlet so the parent might continually 
complain about the troubles within their marriage to the child, about their struggles and the overall suffering within the world. So this child as a survival mechanism will grow up to exhibit behavior in adult life that involves continually bending over backwards for anyone that needs assistance. So they might be extremely overgiving at their own expense because unfortunately they place a lot of their worth and value on their sense of usefulness to others. So with that being said, let's take a look at how we can begin to address and heal our wounded inner child. And the significance of this level of healing is that it provides us with a gateway to reconnect to the past and to heal those aspects of ourselves. Because even though they are projections of past experiences and memories, or as we referred to it as earlier, um, as the inner child being a psychological reality, it's still a part of the self. It's still a component of you that is could potentially be impacting your behavior and experiences in life. So you can begin by reflecting back on various repressed childhood emotions, unmet needs, harmful patterns of behavior and beliefs. And most people will require some level of professional help if they really want to explore these topics further. But just as a general awareness for everyone today, we'll go through some of the um, steps that you can Consider just as a general acknowledgement of where this path can go. So recognizing your default patterns, especially the unhealthy ones that you've created as a survival response is a great place to start. And then further to that point, you can begin to maybe unearth the meaning that you gave to some of the experiences that you faced in childhood. A little bit more challenging to do on your own, but for those that just want kind of the awareness of all the tools available. So a very, very fantastic first step for everyone would be to just simply commit to knowing your inner child and accepting and embracing their existence as a part of you because the first best step to anything is acceptance and acknowledgement. And then you can embark on a lifelong journey of reparenting and loving your inner child to allow for that healing to take place. And you can do this through various healing modalities, including obviously therapy, spiritual healing, sound therapy, meditations, journaling, your imagination, engaging with your senses, and so on and so forth. So This becomes a really great opportunity for you to forgive everyone that was involved and to step in the most into the most empowered version of yourself by recognizing that you have the capability to heal any circumstance in life that you have encountered. So with that being said, let's move right into this week's episode prompts. Prompt number one is what is my primary response in conflict? Prompt number two, which areas of my life do I feel most easily triggered by? And prompt number three, what meaning have I given to these triggers? So this week's episode actually inspired me to create a very special offering for you guys, and that is a healing inner child guided meditation along with a specific ritual. So if this is something that you're interested in, you can visit my website and scroll to the bottom of the first page and sign up for the mailing list. And what I will do is in the upcoming week, I will send you a link to what that offering entails. So until next time, have a beautiful rest of your week.